אין בעבר ובהווה. לזכר נשמת פנחס בן ראובן הכהן זר. So if you look at the bottom of the page, there's a halacha quoted from the Rambam, which is based on a Mishnah at the end of Sanhedrin. And it's a famous halacha, and it says, the Rambam said, the reason we, we, the language of the Rambam is a little bit more simple and easy to understand, even than the Mishnah. Hagonev klisharet mina mikdash. That's one case. Klisharet is a, is a replaceable vessel. It's not not a vessel that has special kedusha, but a vessel that is used in the performance of other things in the Beit Hamikdash. So hagonev klisharet mina mikdash. Why somebody? Why this became? A, a subject, an independent subject, is not clear. But I guess it was easy, easier to steal Klisharet than to steal the Mizbeach, for example. So they, and there were a lot of them around. There was no limit on the number of, of spoons that you could have to take out this from here and put it there. So, and then, Hamikalel, Bekosein HaMekalel Somebody who is curses uh, And then HaBoel Aramit Someone who has sexual relation with, uh, with an Aramaic woman Ein Beitin Niskakim Lahem You don't have to wait to bring them to trial uh, Right, they don't, they don't, you don't have to have a regular procedure the Beitin, you don't need the Beitin in order to deal with this, these people. Ella hakana impogim bahem. Ella hakana impogim bahem. Kanaim? I don't know, we'll, we'll, uh, it's very hard to define these words. But in general, it means a person sees a certain kind of injustice being done and says to himself, this injustice demands an immediate response. And the halakha has uh, validated that. That if you uh, see somebody stealing a rate from the Beit HaMikdash, you don't do the regular procedure, which is to have edim with this. is two kosher edim. Have the edim, have the edim, uh, uh, warn the person who is stealing uh, that he will be punished and that they will give witness to that and then go to the Beit Din and have the Beit Din approve of his uh, you know, all, all of that is, is like very procedurally heavy it'll take a long time I mean, when, we learn, when we learn the Gemaras it says, you know, the Eidim come and they say, Ruben killed Shimon so okay, so you kill Ruben but it doesn't tell you how difficult it is to get two Eidim to come and to say, Ruben killed Shimon. So that's what Kanaim Pogimbo are. You can make a decision <coughs> on your own. You can make a decision. And that decision is that you, you can't wait. You can't wait for due process. Due process would just mess everything up. And these people would get off scot-free. So, so Kanaim Pogimbo, 
is another way of saying no due process. You don't have to bring him to court. You don't have to have the witnesses give witness. You don't have to do all of those things, but it is enough. <coughs> it is enough if you see this transgression being done to then go and to, you know, to act upon it and to kill the people who are doing this uh, transgression. Now this exactly is the story of Pinchas. But the story of Pinchas has more details that we have to kind of relate to. So let's look at the, at the story now. Uh, I mean, I'm going to try to go through the entire Rashi, but we won't be able to deal with all the problems that the Rashi, Rashi deals with, but uh, we'll try. Rashi says, Bishitim Kachshima. I do not think there's a Hebrew word hiding in Shitim, which might have a different meaning, but Rashi says, no, Vayeshev Yisrael Bishitim, they were dwelling there. B'nei Yisrael, we have to remember this is the end of the parasha of Balak. This is the end of the parasha where Balak tried unsuccessfully to curse B'nei Yisrael. Right? An interesting story in itself. Right? right in the Gemara, Chelek is the name of the last parak of Sanhedrin. And <coughs> there, the Gemara says that it was Bil'am who uh, gave this. He said, well, I can't get them this way, we'll get them that way will send the, the young women from, uh, 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 from Moab, will send the young women to entice the men of, of Israel and, and to, get them, to get them to serve idolatry. And this is in the next pasuk, with Tikrena la'am, but Tikrena la'am, lezivchei Eloheim, vayochal ha'am, vayishtachu le'elohem. So, so the structure of this pasuk is uh, is uh, difficult, but it says somehow that they were sacrificers and they were eaters and they were bowers. And Rashi says, the, the men uh, went a little wild and they wanted to have relations with a particular Moabite woman who is uh, dancing around. And she took out a figure of Pa'or, that's the name of the idol, uh, from her breast. And she says to him, It was Rashi is trying to explain to us how this became a matter of avodah zarah, of uh, idolatry. Why wasn't it just, uh, uh, you know, uh, non-acceptable se sexual relations? Right? <coughs> so he says in the word, that teaches you that that was what was really going on. The word Vayitzamed means to cleave to something. It's like davek. 
Except dveikut is usually talk, is usually used in a positive spiritual way. Right? The Rambam liked the word davek, dveikut. Here it says vayitzamed, I guess to distinguish. Right? Dveikut is good and vayitzamed is not good. Vayitzamed Yisrael lebaal pa'or is the name of the idol. Vayichar af Hashem b'Yisrael and Hashem got angry at Yisrael. Right? Uh, well, it's hard to know exact, uh, actually what that means. You see the Rashi, Vayichar Hashem Yisrael, Shalach Bahem Magifa. Right, Rashi is also against anthropomorphisms, as you know. Right, so it sounds like uh, the Pasuk says, that God was angry, that you could perceive God's anger. And that's why the Pasuk says that God was angry. But Rashi says, no, it wasn't that way. It wasn't that you could perceive God's anger, but what happened was the anger was represented by the Magefa. The Magefa being the, the plague that came upon B'nai Yisrael at that time. Ichar Av Hashem b'Yisrael shalach b'hem magifa pasuk dalit vayomer Hashem l'Moshe kachet kol rashei ha'am v'okhaotam l'Hashem neged Hashemish v'yeshov charon Av Hashem b'Yisrael. So without Moshe Rabbeinu intervening here, at least it's not in the pasuk. Uh, Moshe Rabbeinu did not exactly intervene, but Hakadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe Rabbeinu. Kach et kol rashei ha'am, rashei ha'am, the important people, right, the leaders. Hoka otam l'Hashem neged Hashemesh. That you have to put them facing the sun. V'yeshov charod af Hashem Yisrael. So it's a, and, and then God's anger will subside, will retract, will be less intense. It's not so. Uh, not so clear. So the Rashi says, Now the important word here in Rashi is the word lishpot. In other words, according to Rashi, what HaKadosh Baruch said to Moshe Rabbeinu is, we need mishpat. We need mishpat. Now you know that mishpat has been a topic that Moshe Rabbeinu had to deal with over time quite at length when Yitro, remember Yitro came to, uh, uh, to Bnei Yisrael, and Yitro said, Yitro said that you, Moshe Rabbeinu, you're not going to be able to carry on this way. You're not going to be the only responsible justice in Yisrael, but you have to have others who help you. Moshe Rabbeinu retold that story in the beginning of Dvarim, because it was, it was very important. It was a very important story, because what it indicated was that there could be judgment in Yisrael even after Moshe Rabbeinu died. And that was what made it possible for Am Yisrael to continue to exist. Because if B'nai Yisrael, as I've mentioned several times, if B'nai Yisrael thought that they needed Moshe Rabbeinu to paskin a shayla, that they could never find out if a chicken was kosher 
unless Moshe Rabbeinu told them that it was kosher, that would be the end of Am Yisrael. Or it certainly would be the end of eating chickens. <laughs> but uh, 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 you, you, have, you have to understand that even though this is not clearly stated in the Torah, and not clearly stated in Chazal, there's no doubt that there was some, some way of overcoming the limiting aspect of Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe Rabbeinu was so great that he couldn't be replaced. And if you can't replace the leadership, you can't go on, it seems to me. So that, that the very idea that Moshe Rabbeinu, not that he appointed Yoshua to follow him, he could appoint anybody uh, to follow him, but that the people accepted the appointment that they were willing to continue to go on as though Moshe Rabbeinu was still with them, that was extremely remarkable. <coughs> we wanted to say something? No. Okay. So this is what he said. Kachad Roshay Amzarachi Shuashi said, Shoftim, Hokautam al Hashem Neged Hashem. Rashi says, Hokautam. Hokautam is a different subject. He says, Eta Ovdim. The Ovdim are the the ones who served idolatry. The Rashi says, he right, This is what the Gemara says, that what they actually did, the way they actually killed them, was to hang them. There's another Pasuk which uses the same word. That, uh, that he, he uh, puts it together with the halacha, right? He says it's halach, halachically accurate because even though the Gemara says about Ovdei Avodazara, niskalim, but kola niskalim nitalim. So the word halka that's used here in the Pasuk, it was a little kind of complicated, is okay. It's the okay word, it's the okay word to use. And then by Yeshov Charon HaVashem be Yisrael, and then God will, <coughs> will be uh, less angry. Now if you look again at the word, Rashi, Neged HaShemesh, Neged HaShemesh, I mean, it's not clear why, why you have to put them facing the sun, laying cold, so they could all see. O Medrash Agadah, HaShemesh Modiyah Et HaChotim. The Shemesh uh, uh, sort of identifies the sinners. Anan nikpal michenegdo vachama zorachat alav. The Anan sort of like points or covers up or uncovers and then the sun shines down on the guy who's guilty and you can whack him. You whack the guy who is, who is guilty. So I think you have to remember that word the shpot et ovdim lepaor. Pasuk hei so it's as though the Torah read Rashi. Right? That's, you know, that's how it turns out. Rashi often does that. But when you read the, the Torah with Rashi, it sounds like Rashi is preempting what it says in the Torah. Like, like why did Rashi have to say this? But, but, El Shoftei Yisrael, Hegu Ish Anashav, what was the exact what's the exact directive that God gives uh, Rashi 
every one of the Dayanim, remember the Dayanim that were appointed by Moshe Rabbeinu in the story of Yitro, each one of them kills two, two sinners, V'dayanei Yisrael Shmona Rebo, and how many were there? <coughs> Rebo is 10,000. Shmona Rebo is, I guess, 80,000. Vishbonat Alafim, 88,000. So how many were killed? 88,000 times two. Because each one of them killed two of the Avodazarak in Sanhedrin. As the Gemara, as the Gemara explains, so here the pasuk says quite clearly, quite clearly, Vayomer Moshe El Shoftei Yisrael. Pasuk Vav, Hinei Ish Vinei. Now we have a, a new story. Right up to now we had the story, and Moshe Rabbeinu was actively involved. Moshe Rabbeinu was was. In, was directing the Shoftim to kill the people who had transgressed, to wipe out idolatry, to, to reduce the anger that God expressed towards B'nai Yisrael. And now we have a story. So now the story is that Moshe Rabbeinu becomes uh, transfixed. He's not able to act. He's not able to. <coughs> he's not able. Somebody did something. Somebody did. He do something different that was done before. Here, uh, the Rashi says, So Zimri, there's this guy Zimri, who's the Nasi of. Shimon. Shimon is a small and usually insignificant tribe of Israel that on the map was located at the south. Uh, you know, like Yerushalayim, you see the map? Do you see it? Like, let's say we had advanced electronic equipment, so you'd all see the map, but all you have to do really is just close your eyes and, and imagine the map of Israel. The middle of the map of Israel is more or less Yerushalayim. And from Yerushalayim in south is the area that was controlled by Yehuda. Yehuda, very big, very big area, very big tribe, very successful in whatever they did. <coughs> and they managed almost to drive the idolatry out of, uh, out of Eretz Yisrael, almost. And to the south, all the way to the south, at the bottom, I don't know where that was exactly, but I mean, I don't know if it was Be'er Sheva, or probably further south of Be'er Sheva, was the tribe of Shimon. The tribe of Shimon. How come they, they became, uh, they went, they were sent down there. I mean, I don't understand, but that's where they were. And so there was an Ish, Rashi says, from Shimon. And Ish doesn't mean nobody, but Ish means somebody. Because he was a Nasi, he was the the uh, principal personality in the tribe of uh, the Shimon. Ba, he comes along. So he somehow uh, had relations with uh, a Midianite woman, and then says, "Why is this different than what was going on all the time?" I mean, this is what everybody was doing. 
Right? Everybody was doing this. So he did it. So what? Now, Bochim. Bochim is a reaction of, of a person who is, doesn't know what to do. Bechia is not a, a strong, positive act. Bechia is the opposite. It's, I don't know what to do with myself. I don't know how to absorb it. And therefore, I am crying. Rashi, Rashi says, uh, Rashi tells you the name because it's in the beginning of the next parasha. Moshe. Amrulo Moshe. Zo asura omuteret. Imtoma asura. But he drove me. He tira So Rashi. Rashi has to figure out what was going on that they were crying about. What was it that was so disastrous to the people of Israel? What happened? It was the same thing that was going on before. Somebody decided to have sexual relations with a Midianite woman. I mean, why get excited about that? So, what? And so it was seemed to be possessive for everybody because they were able to grab them and kill them. Somehow they knew. I mean, you could say whatever you want, but why would that cause them to, to cry? Why would they be incapable of acting? I was sort of like flaunting in their face. Oh, yeah, but that's not precise enough for me. I'm asking you. You know, people, they're different kinds of people. Some people, you know, can't put up with that, and some people can't. <coughs> And so what does it say? Hema bochim. Hema bochim. Look at Rashi. I mean, you have to understand, Rashi is not only telling you how it was, but he's telling you also what his own problem is with the text, with the Chumash. So he says, Hema bochim. Hema bochim. Nit alma mi menu halacha. He forgot. The, imagine that you say that about Moshe Rabbeinu. Nit alma mi menu halacha. I mean, it's in the Gemara. But gee, after all, that's what we saw at the beginning, that there's halacha. If somebody does what he was doing, just go and kill him. I mean, what's the question? Right? So what were they crying about? They were crying about the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu was unable to lead them, to direct them, to move them in the right direction. Be'egel amad Moshe keneged shishim ribo. Says when the egel took place, Moshe Rabbeinu was able to take a stand against six hundred thousand. Shneemar ba'yitchan ad asher dak. That's what he did. He destroyed the egel as a habke kan rafu yadav. And here his his arms were weak. Elakideshi yavo pinchas v'yitol et haraulo. So Rashi asked that as a question. How could it be that the person who, I don't mean me, it's a good question. How could it be that the person who stood for B'nai Yisrael to the Chaita Ego against 600,000 and managed to save them and to kill the ones who had to be killed, how come here he is unable to, to act? Rashi asks. Right? So then he says, Rashi is wonderful, Rashi. I think. Uh, he says, uh, 
בעגל עמד משה כנגד שישים מרבו שנאמר וכאן רפו ידיו אלא כדי שיבוא פנחס ויטול את הראוי לו. משה רבינו נו that Pinchas had to show up. And therefore Moshe Rabbeinu acted as though he didn't know what to do, even though I'm sure he did know what to do, he knew what the halacha was, but he acted as though he didn't know what to do because he wanted, he wanted Pinchas to do it. Pasuk Zayin. That's what Rashi says at the beginning. Yeah. And then at the end he says, it just looked like Nital Mami Menu Halacha. Perhaps. You're right. Gideon, you're right. Rashi is contradicting himself to some extent. How could it be that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made him forget the Halacha today, Okay, what's the difference? Like, yeah. Joshua made him forget it, or he just forgot it. I mean, it's the same. Well, it's better than he pretended to forget. No, Why I didn't say. Nobody said he pretended. Why is it better? It's the same. I mean, he forgot the halacha, but it, but but later on, no, later on, the Moshe Rabbeinu did it on purpose, according to the Rashi. Okay, so what's so there are two opinions. It's not not so strange in Rashi. But Moshe Moshe later says. I'm too old. He was 40 years older now than he was back then. And he says, point right, I can't do it anymore. So he explains this also. I mean, he couldn't kill him. He couldn't do it, couldn't kill him for sure. He did an insistent. No, he just can't handle it anymore. I can't go out, give me job, give me job. Okay. Now, Vayar, Pesuk Zayin, Vayar Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron HaKohen, Vayakom, he got up, Mitocha Eidai came out. He appeared. Vaikach Romach Miyadol, and he took a Romach, Romach is what? A spear, right, good. A spear. Vayar Pinchas. Rama said, Viniskar Halacha, continuing the previous thought in Rashi. Rashi said, Moshe Rabbeinu forgot the Halacha, Pinchas remembered the Halacha. אמר לו למשה, אני זה תמשה רבינו, מקובלני ממך הבועל ארמית קנאים פוגעים בו. You taught us this halacha. You taught us what we're supposed to do in this case. We're supposed to kill him. אמר לו, קריאנה דאיגרתה איהו להווה פרוונקה. ביד ויקח רובך בידו. So Yeshua said to Moshe Rabbeinu, according to the Rashi, Yeshua says to Moshe Rabbeinu, What? Pinchas. Pinchas said, good, so everybody's listening. Pinchas said, Pinchas said to Moshe Rabbeinu, You taught us this halacha. So what's the continuation? Like Pinchas said to Moshe Rabbeinu, Why are you just standing there? Why did you do something? Right? You taught us this halacha. Right? Boilus Aramis. Kadnoim Pogimbo. This is like a well-known halacha. It appears in the Mishnah and later on appears in the Rambam. So what is, what is Moshe Rabbeinu's, uh, so what is Moshe Rabbeinu's response? Unbelievable response. Karyana de Garta, the one who reads the, <coughs> the, <coughs> the scroll, the letter. He's the one who should be 
the emissary. Right? Since you announced the halacha, you, Pinchas, have announced this halacha now, so you go carry it out. I mean, you have the obligation. Somehow, Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't think that he has the obligation. I mean, Pinchas said to Moshe Rabbeinu, you go and do it. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, no, I don't think I have to do it. I think the person who brought it up, he should do it. That's you. That's you, Pinchas. It's a kind of strange position. I mean, I have to go into the question of who is Pinchas and what makes him important, that how can you compare him to Moshe Rabbeinu? I mean, the whole thing doesn't make that much sense. But we go on. We go on. We go on. Pasuk Chet. He, he, he speared the both of them. Right, so Pinchas did what he did, and then somehow the anger of God, the Magaifa, the, the pestilence was called God's anger, and that became appeased. And Magaifa, the last Pasuk in this section, Right, 24,000 died in the Magefa, Charon Afashem, and this, how is the Magefa stopped? Magefa was stopped by Pinchas. What did Pinchas do? He speared him, he speared her, they both died, and he saved the day. He, Pinchas, he, Pinchas saved, saved the day. Okay, let's go on. Let's go on. Uh, in, in addition to the 24,000, there was 160,000 killed. Mm-hmm. These 24,000 were yes. the second anger of God about Zimri. <coughs> it says in Pasuk Yud, by the Be'er Hashem and Moshe, in more Pasuk Yud Aleph, Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron HaKohen, Neshiv et Chamati me'al b'nei Yisrael, b'kano et kinati b'tocham, here Rashi says something very important. I mean, always, always very important. But Rashi says, You see the Rashi, Pasuk Zayin, the first wide line. He saw what was going on, and he remembered the halacha. Uh, no, I'm sorry, I don't want that. Pinchas ben Alezah, Pasuk Yudal. The fourth wide line, I'm sorry. The fourth wide line. Pinchas ben Alazab ben Aaron HaKohen. Lefisha yuhashvatim v'vazimoto. The various tribes of Israel would say insulting things about Pinchas. M'vazimoto. Re'etem ben Puti zeh. Did you see Puti? Uh, Puti, well, Pinchas was the son of Elazar. And his mother was the daughter of Yitro. So when Yitro is Puti, so what they said was, they said, What's the connection? What is the relevance? What, what, do they have to, what are they talking about? <coughs> According to Rashi, according to Rashi, the question you might ask is, in the Pasuk, we know who Pinchas is. 
And we know that there's a rule in the Tanakh, which may not be 100% correct. I, don't, I can't tell you. I don't have that kind of memory. <coughs> but it's often true that the first time a person is mentioned in a book of the Tanakh, he's mentioned with his ancestors, his father, his grandfather, his grandfather, if there is, if there are. But after that, he's mentioned alone by his name. And since we know Pinchas, he was just mentioned. We just mentioned in the Chumash, we know who he is. Why would the Torah mention him Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron HaKohen? Which is sort of like a departure from the norm. So Rashi says, well, because the Torah wanted to prop him up, to give him kind of credibility, to honor him. Why did the Torah want to honor him? Because the people, various tribes of Israel, were insulting him and denying him his position. So that leaves us with the question, right? You know, why were they insulting him? What were they, what were they have against him? It says, it just, we just read the Pasuk, that because he killed Zimri, the Magifa came to an end. So the Magifa came to an end, they should all be thankful. Should all be thankful to, to Pinchas. Again, Right? He he lessened the anger. Okay? So in, in other words, Pinchas diffused a difficult situation, right? He, it's what the, that's what the Pasuk says. That's what the Pasuk says. So again, he says, So the Torah says it quite clearly, the name of HaKadosh Baruch. HaKadosh Baruch would have destroyed B'nai Yisrael if not for Pinchas, if not for what Pinchas did. So why would Rashi point to the fact that B'nai Yisrael were insulting him, calling him names, reminding him of his, his less than illustrious ancestry, right? Pasuk Yud Bet And therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said this most remarkable thing, I'm going to give him a covenant of peace. Now, what a covenant of peace is, I don't know, but it sounds good. It sounds like something that everybody would want. And, and that, that apparently no one had until that very moment. That was like an invention, an invention for the sake of Pinchas, right? It wasn't just that he would become a Kohen, he wouldn't do the Avodas HaMikdash, and he wouldn't take care of it, but, but that he would, he would have Briti Shalom, Rashi, say, Rashi says, even though the kuna was already given to the descendants of Aaron, it was only given to Aaron and his sons, his four sons, two died. This is like a, like, like a bit of lumbus. It's only the, the sons who were anointed with Aaron who became the progenitor of a family of Kohanim. 
שנמשכו עמו לתולדותיהם שיולידו אחר המשכתם. So only they and their children would be כהנים. אבל פנחס שנולד קודם לכן לא נמשך. But Pinchas, who was born earlier, he was not uh, anointed. He was not anointed. He became a Kohen at this moment. That somehow, Pinchas, the Gemara says that Pinchas wasn't really a Kohen. I mean, he was the son of, of Aaron, but he didn't get uh, anointed into the Kuna. The same thing is true about kings. A king, a king is anointed, but his children are not anointed. They become kings automatically. They're the children of the king. Right? I don't know how it is in England, but you know, but that's how it is in, uh, in, in Israel. So the same thing is true about the Kohen. The same thing is true about the Kohen. The Kohen is anointed and his sons uh, become Kohanim automatically. Except that at the first time, Aaron was anointed and his sons were anointed with him. But Pinchas was, uh, was not around then, and so uh, <coughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't anointed. So God gave him, God gave him the, what he, the uh, Brit Shalom. God gave him the Brit Shalom, which is another way of saying Pojirashi, is another way of saying Kohen. So we have a few questions. Yeah. When it says Pinchas Shnolat Shnolat Kodem, does that mean he was born before Aaron was anointed as Kohen? I don't know. I think it should be after. Because it says Kodem. I know. Okay. I try to skip over that. I'm paying attention. What? I'm paying attention. So I lose. Sometimes it works, you know. Because you don't always admit what you don't know. It's enough if you do it from time to time. Anyway, the problem, like what's really going on? Do we have any clue of, <coughs> of the role that Moshe Rabbeinu is playing in this story and the role that Pinchas is playing? I think, I think you have to make a, uh, you have to make an assumption about Kanaim Pogimbo. You have to make an assumption. Uh, the problem with due process, the problem with due process over the board is that it takes a lot of time and it doesn't always bring an accurate result. That's the problem with due process, as any lawyer or judge might be willing to agree to. It's hard, uh, hard to say, hard to say that al pishnaim edim. Right, the Torah says al pishnaim edim yakum davar. Then two witnesses come and they say Reuben killed Shimon. It's a fact. Reuben killed Shimon. So if you say, well, why is it more of a fact that if one witness came and said uh, Reuben killed Shimon? <coughs> the answer is that that's true. And that the reason that we know that two witnesses can commit Ruvain to the death sentence is only because the Torah said so. And if you learn Masechet Sanhedrin, you will see 
that it was obvious that the Tanaim and the Amoraim in Babel, the Tanaim uh, in Eretz Yisrael and the Amoraim in Babel, were very unhappy with due process. And they took every opportunity to say that the witnesses, these two witnesses who came, Shmerel and Beryl, who said that Ruvain killed Shimon, <coughs> were probably not trustworthy. Were probably not trustworthy. And they said, the Chachamim said, that we have an obligation, it says in the Pasuk, an obligation to Trishot and Chakirot, to investigate and to look into the witnesses. Well, what are they going to look into the witnesses? This is <coughs> Was he wearing a check shirt or was he wearing a striped shirt? And if the witnesses can't agree about whether it was this kind of shirt or that kind of shirt, the witnesses have had it. They're gone. They're gone. So you see that the Institute of Drishot Vechakirot reflect the fact that the Chachamim were suspicious of due process, even though the Torah says Bifeirush al Pishnaim Eidim Yakub Davar. There is no doubt, there is no doubt that the same thing would be true about the Halachav Kanaim Pogimbo. It's not that. It's not the, the, the problem is not that I don't know the Halacha. I know the Halacha. What I don't know is, am I looking at that case? For example, for example, Kanaim Pogimbo in the case of Bo'elet Aramit, what does that mean? Does it mean that the person does it has to know that she's an Aramean? Does he have to know that he's doing it because of her connection to Avodah When does the tipping point come? When is the tipping point of Kanaim so of all the people who would find that directive impossible to affect the number one person is of course Moshe Rabbeinu. Because Moshe Rabbeinu's commitment is how we understand. Moshe Rabbeinu's commitment to emet, which is synonymous, a name, a word that, may, that is synonymous to Torah, right? You know that, <coughs> which is synonymous to Tiferet. Right? All of these words indicate that the truth is accessible through the Torah. So that for Moshe Rabbeinu, whose knowledge of the Torah was the most exquisite, the most profound, the clearest, Right, as the Rambam says and the Ramban says, that the, Mo, the Moshe Rabbeinu's view of Torah was the clearest of anyone's, was the clearest of anyone's. And therefore, his commitment to the Torah of truth was the greatest that you could imagine. So that the Halachav Kanaim Gimbo, which presents a difficult vision of things. Is it or is it not? Should we or should we not? That kind of situation was one that Moshe Rabbeinu could not navigate. 
he could not accept he could not accept that the Torah would mislead him that he would be uh, mistaken about the, the, the way he did it however the Torah is also an inheritance it's something that comes along it, go, it goes on through the generations and through the generations we understand that not everybody is Moshe Rabbeinu people are going to be able to make the decision perhaps because they have less clarity not because they have more clarity so Moshe Rabbeinu said to, to, uh, to Pilchas if you see it then you do it if you see that the halacha of Kanaim Pogimbo applies, then you do it. The reaction of Bnei Yisrael was obvious. What did Bnei Yisrael say? They looked and they said, look, Moshe Rabbeinu, he wouldn't do it. So how, how are we so sure that, that, that uh, <coughs> Pinchas did the right thing? I know that the Magefa came to an end and they should have been able to understand that but at least according to Rashi they didn't understand according to Rashi they didn't understand what had happened they saw Moshe Rabbeinu standing there looking at Shim, at the Nasi of Shimon of Zimri they saw Pinchas a young upstart of no particular uh, uh, past history of greatness Pinchas said, didn't you teach us Rebbe, Rebbe, you know, like, did you teach us that uh, this is how you make coffee on Shabbos? Well, that's how you make coffee on Shabbos, you know, of course the, 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 the Rebbe just felt annoyed by the, the whole thing, so Pinchas said to Moshe Rabbeinu you told us that we should do this of course we should do this, every teacher has had a dudnik like that in his class, over and over again, actually Right? You have to suffer. You have to suffer that. That's what teaching is all about, that nudnik. <coughs> so the people said, people said, Moshe Rabbeinu, he didn't do it. So what is Pinchas going and, and making, a, making a, a, an issue of it? You know, where, how did he push himself to the front of the line? So they started insulting Pinchas and saying maybe he was not, you know, not what, he wasn't deserving of, of the credit that he got. And so HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him Brit Shalom, which meant, according to Rashi, an extraordinary appointment to the Kuhuna. Right? Even though he was the son of a Kohen, he might not have been a Kohen. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to show everybody that in this case, the decision was correctly taken, and that the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu did not involve himself in this particular matter can also be can also be understood <coughs> oh, okay I think that that is what I have to say have a good